Hi there, MJ here, your podcast host. This is the show where we talk about all things life and struggles in full transparency with no filters and no judgment because nobody cares. Welcome to our first episode. I decided to pick up podcasting more as a hobby, but also just as an outlet. In my short 28 years of life, I've gone through quite a lot of things that most people probably would have never even thought of. And with that came a lot of life lessons. I am the proud owner of a local lash business here in El Paso, Texas. It's called Z Lashes. She's a baby business, you know, four years this coming December. Um, I do all things lashes, but I like to think I'm not really in the business of lashes. I'm more in the business of people, women specifically, which is honestly the biggest reason why I love my job. I get to know my ladies on a personal level. They can sit there anywhere from like an hour and a half to three hours and doing that you learn a lot about a person and also about yourself you know you interact and you talk and you learn about perspectives differences and most importantly you also learn that we're really not all that different um we all have our own shit going on in our lives that no one else in the outside world really knows about and you learn that nobody cares about the little things as much as you're afraid they do and sometimes sharing them with someone is all we need to make the burden a little lighter and I love getting to do that for women you know especially for moms and teenage girls and young women and it's I mean I love lashing too don't get me wrong I love making fans and mapping and It's definitely a form of art, but I think now that I'm in it for not a long time, but a little while, I can definitely say that my favorite part is getting to know, getting to know people, which is funny because I say this a lot about myself. I probably should stop saying that because I'm just manifesting it out there, but I'm not exactly, I guess, a social person. I mean, I could be if I wanted to. It's definitely circumstantial, but I love one-on-one interactions with people because it's a little bit more intimate and a little bit more personal. And if you stick me in a room, a crowded room with just people having fun and expect me to, I don't know, I'll definitely make a fool out of myself, (laughs) which is probably why um, I'm so hyped about making a podcast because I mean, I don't feel foolish talking to myself with just a camera and a microphone, but I digress. (laughs) So, because it's our first episode, I would love to dive a little deeper into how I found the land of milk and honey, which is, dun dun dun, America. So, I was born in a tiny, humble little town in an island in the Philippines, Um, It's called Daet, and for those of you who don't know, the Philippines is made up of like a bajillion little islands um, just compressed together, and then that's how they show up on the map. And I'm on, Daet is located like in the bigger island, 
I guess it's the biggest one of the country. And gosh, I don't know the population. I probably should have done my research, but it doesn't even matter. I was born in the Philippines. I had, I have my whole family there. Um, grandpa, grandma, aunts and uncles. And we were a pretty big family. Like my grandma and grandpa, they had, gosh, grandma don't strike me with lightning, but I think six kids. <laughs> um, one of them went to heaven when he was younger. He had a bone disease of some kind. I never got to meet him, which was sad, but um, yeah. So my dad, my biological dad, all right, be patient with me. Keep up here because there's a lot of characters in the story. My biological dad, we'll call him Papa. That's what I call him. Papa is the second oldest of the siblings. And he had two sisters and the rest were boys. So I have two aunts. I have an aunt in Australia and another one here in the States. And um, at the time that I was born, him and my biological mom, we'll call her Gemma, they were having some problems, I think, like infidelity or, you know, everything that could go wrong went wrong in their marriage, I guess. They had three babies. I'm the princess. <laughs> and I have an older brother and I have another older brother who also went to heaven when he was a baby. Um, never got to meet him, obviously. So if we were all together, like in one family picture, I would be literally like the baby and the princess because I'm the youngest and the only girl. Um, no wonder why I'm so spoiled. But anyway, they were working overseas at the time. Um, and they were already going through a lot of marriage problems when I was born. And so from my understanding, because remember, I was a baby, so I had no fucking idea what was going on. But he, they came home to the Philippines so that she could give birth to me. Gemma could give birth to me. And um, when she had me, she kind of left. Like, I was 30 days old. Um, and she just went and did her own thing. And she took my brother with her, from my understanding. Mom, if you're listening, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and then, so I ended up staying with my dad's side of the family, Papa's side of the family, which is my grandma, grandpa, and all my lovely aunts and uncles. And when I was little, I remember, like, do you guys remember when you were younger how different the dynamic of the family was? Like when all of the family members were complete, everybody was here on earth, grandma and grandpa like was the glue that held the family together. That's what it was. Like we would have family gatherings and dinners and parties for literally no reason. And neighbors would come. Fun fact, in the Philippines, if you have a party like in your home, and you're, everybody knows that you're having a party, everyone's gonna come. Even if you're not invited. Like that's just how hospitable, I guess, us Filipinos are. <laughs> and I brought home um, my wife with me to the Philippines last year and she was like, people just show up to your house even though they're not invited. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we do that and we don't mind. There's plenty to go around. Anyway, 
it was so much fun. I remember being a toddler and I literally was the light of the family and I was loved and I, I got carried all the time, which I don't know how they did that. Now that I'm mom, I'm like, no, you're going to walk. But um, I got super attached to my grandma and everybody on that side of the family because they were all I knew. So fast forward, you know, at that time, Papa was still working overseas. He was flying back and forth um, to take care of me, obviously. So I wasn't just always pawned off to family members. And I think, I guess it just got to the point where it became too much for him. So he had a serious conversation with his youngest sister, um, the one here in the States. And he basically passed the baton to her and was like, listen, shit's not going well. You know, marriage is falling apart. She kind of left. She has her own thing going on. And I got to go work because there's no hope here in the Philippines. And guys, there's not. But and I guess, you know, auntie was like, yeah, I'll 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 take it. I'll take her. She'll she'll be my kid. And she was roughly early 30s when this happened. Um, I don't remember a lot of things at that time, but all I remember was being three years old and calling her mom, like my aunt. Like she was my mom. She was the one that was always there. And now as an adult, you know, she'll tell me stories where she worked for the government in the Philippines when at that time, and she would come home for lunch breaks and stuff like that. And she she would take care of me like literally she would come home just to change my diaper she would feed me on her lunch breaks and make sure that i was not walking like a homeless child the way that they have everyone in the philippines looking like but she loved me from the get-go and i was always i always felt that like i always felt that my auntie was my mom and i called her mom shamelessly since i could talk and I, I love her so much. And um, everything was great. And I didn't know any better. Like, I didn't know different. I knew Gemma existed. I knew she was my mom, my biological mom. But as a kid, I was never really confused why I called my auntie mom. She, she was just the one there. Like, I called her mommy, literally. You know, like, little kids don't know. As a three-year-old, you don't know. And so keep in mind, I mean, there was no opportunity or reason for me to really be confused because Gemma was never around. I do remember, however, like playing with my big brother all the time. Um, my brother is seven, eight, seven or eight years older than I am. And I was so mean to him, guys. <laughs> I remember just being a turd and I, like he would play with me and he would be so nice to me and just let me. I remember one instance where we were playing in the living room and he was playing with a toy. And I think this is one of my earliest memories ever where he was playing with a toy and I, I like took it from him and he didn't want to give it to me, obviously. Right. Cause he was playing with it and he's seven years older. I mean, come on. And so I took it and then I, he just sat down and started crying like, but like a big boy cry, you know, like not sobbing, crying, but he just put his face in his hands and started crying. And I remember being like, uh, no, I'm the princess. What the fuck are you crying for? You're going to get me in trouble. And I was just pulling his hair 
like hard. I was pulling his hair hard as hell, trying to rip his hair out of his scalp. My poor brother. God bless his heart. Anyway, um, everything was great. You know, I was loved and adored and I was the only baby in the family. Like there were no other grandkids. And fast forward to six years old, my, my mom, auntie, met somebody that she wanted to spend the rest of her life with. And I remember being really sad. Like I wasn't emotionally intelligent then obviously as I am now but I I remember just being sad and being like oh no like my mom I'm gonna lose my mom like what are we gonna do the sky was falling and on top of that the man that she met lives in the states so I was like this isn't gonna work he lives there you live here how are you gonna get there he's not gonna live here you know and I remember one day he came to the house like he literally flew from the states to come meet my mom they met online obviously and he was serious about mom like he bought the first plane ticket he could get a hold of and came to the Philippines and spent I don't remember how long maybe like a week two weeks in our home and spent like every day with our family and got to know grandma and grandpa and uncles and aunts and I remember kind of like my mom prepping me, you know, like, he's going to come and you have to speak English. <laughs> so, of course, I was six and I'm like, uh, I don't fucking think so. So anyway, yeah, he came and he was really nice. He was really nice. And he bought me a bike, my first bike ever. I'll never forget it. It was purple with like iridescent tassels on the handle and had a little beep beep on the side. I never learned how to write it, but thanks, Dad. Um, and then next thing I know, like, they they were planning on my mom coming over here. And I was like, that's, no, you can't do that. That's my mom. You can't take her to where you live. That's so far. Like, I can't, I can't ride tricycles to, the, to America, you know, and... I, you guys, I didn't know what to do. I just remember being so sad that I was like the one mom that I know she was going away. Literally, like the sky was falling. And then again, you know, what do you tell a six-year-old that? Obviously, she came here on a fiancé visa and they got married. And I remember dropping her off at the airport with my grandma and my grandpa. The whole family, like we were just jam-packed in this little jeep all eight of us and we dropped her off at the airport and I just cried I cried my eyes out and I was like mom I want to come with you don't leave me you're my mom please don't leave I want to go you know if you're a mom you know how your babies feel when you're like going to Walmart or something literally that was me except she wasn't going to Walmart she was going like 18 hours away on the other side of the world. As a six-year-old, how do you explain that in a way that she can understand? You know, it was hard. And I 
I just thought like, it's okay. I'm going to see my mom again. It's okay. She's like, she's going to come get me. Cause she would tell me like, yes, I'm going to take you home. You're going to come with me. Don't worry. You're going to come with me. I'm going to come get you. And we're going to we're We're both going to live in America and we're going to do, you know, all the American things like Disneyland and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, fine. But I remember being so sad for a long time and she was here and I had no idea, you know, I mean, it, from the pictures that I've seen, she looked like she was having a great time and I was super happy for her, you know, and they were in love and I was left with grandma and grandpa and, and everybody else in the family. So now all of a sudden I went from being super loved, you know, to kind of being the nuisance of the family like I was this kid that didn't have parents and just grandma and grandpa was spending all their money to send me to school so I could have lunch money and the dynamic completely changed like mom was gone you know and mom was I'm so proud to say this but mom was the breadwinner of the family like she I like I said she had the most decent job out of all the siblings it was steady income and she cared for grandma and grandpa and she provided groceries, paid for utilities. Like to this day, she's still the responsible one in the family. And I love that about her. It's one of the many things that I admire. Um, but it was like my whole life turned upside down. Like she was gone and I didn't know what to do. Like I just didn't have, and now I'm a little bit older, you know, six, seven, eight. And I'm like, I don't have parents. And usually in the movies, when you see a kid without parents, they're, uh, they're an orphan, you know? And so I would have kids like calling me at school that I was an orphan and I didn't have a mom and dad and they didn't love me. That's why grandma's taking care of me. And it was it was shitty. It was a really shitty feeling as, as a kid. So now let's backtrack. Mom number one, Gemma, left at 30 days old. Didn't give a fuck. Mom number two is now in the States living her best life with the man of her dreams. And MJ is with grandma and grandpa in second grade everything was fine grandma did the best that she could and she loved me as much as she could and i was her favorite person i will say that with confidence grandma's in heaven now she's my witness <laughs> i was her favorite person in the whole entire world her world revolved around me and a part of me wonders if she just genuinely loved me that much or if it was like a guilt thing you know like oh no per her her parents are gone like nobody wanted to take care of her so now it's my responsibility to make sure that I set her up for success and I don't know I'll always wonder but I I felt that there was genuine love there and I'm forever grateful for that she sent me to school she entered me in, in competitions you know Philippines it's in Asia we we have Asian genes in us and she would put me in spelling bees and oral competitions where you have like to recite poems that are like 17,000 paragraphs long and you have to be animated when you recite it. And I'll have you what I 
won first place in every single one of them. And to this day, I have medals hanging in the living room in the Philippines. Grandma was also, if I hadn't mentioned, Grandma was a badass elementary teacher. I think she taught all the grades from like first through sixth. And she made a reputation for herself. Like she, she was a little bad teacher. Everybody respected her. She wasn't like a bedside teacher, you know, to where she coddled and whatnot. Like she would smack the shit out of you if you were misbehaving in class back when that was okay <laughs> but that's what she did and her students up until the day that she retired and her students were um like grown she still would recognize them and they would recognize her and be like oh hey you were my da -da -da teacher and you were my favorite one and she was pretty popular she made a name for herself so you can imagine growing up with grandma how strict homework was and studying and how I had to be always at the top of my class in elementary, which I was thanks to her because anything less than that was just unacceptable if I bear her name. <laughs> and if I was to claim that I was her granddaughter, I had to be, I had to carry on the reputation basically. So it's been four years now since my mom was in America, you know, and I'm just in the Philippines at like nine, ten years old thinking like, what the fuck? Well, when do I go? Like, what about me? And little did I know as a kid, all of this paperwork and financial grievances was going on in the background to get me to where I needed to be, which was with her. And at 10, guys, like it took four and a half years of getting my papers to be legally approved so I can finally be with my mom. And it was so surreal to finally get the phone call. They would have long distance phone calls at least like twice a week. And we would travel eight hours to go to the U.S. Embassy in the Philippines because I told you it's a little tiny island. And we, we went through a lot of traveling to the U.S. Embassy, going through interviews and standing in line because everybody was trying to get a visa and everybody was just trying to get the fuck out of the Philippines because there's not much going on there. It's a beautiful country for vacation, but as far as the economy and success in life, good luck. And so here are my grandparents, you know, both in their late 60s, driving back and forth just so I could be with my mom and they were basically like the body that was performing everything that mom needed to do because she couldn't keep coming back and forth you know at the time she had already had three kids she would come with her new husband obviously obviously um and she would come and spend like a week or two just to get the important stuff done because she is the one that needed to be here physically to do it and but other than that, grandma and grandpa would spend the money and drive and the gas and we would ride buses eight hours. And I remember doing so much fucking walking so much in the heat. And I was, I was young. Okay. Like I was tired of walking and standing in line and we would stand for hours. We would be there early in the freaking morning, like three thirty, four o'clock just to open up, like to be far, one of the first people in line 
so that they, when the embassy opened, we were already there. Like, boom, they're, they're going to come see us. So there was just so much effort that I had no idea until I was later down the road that was going on for the four years from the time that my mom left to the time that I was 10. They were working behind the scenes to make it happen. But in my point of view, it was like, oh my God, she forgot all about me. Like she doesn't want to, she has her own babies now and now she's married and she has her own family and I'm not her kid anymore, you know? And little did I know all of this was going on. So finally the phone call came and mom was like, you're coming, you're approved, you have your visa. All we gotta do is buy a plane ticket. And I was so excited. One, because mom was going to come get me from the Philippines. Like, I was going to get to see her again because I just miss her so much. And two, because I'm finally going to leave the Philippines and go be in, in America where this place is supposed to be the baddest of them all, right? Like, the best place in the whole entire world where everybody wants to be in. And I was bragging to all my friends, guys, like, yeah, I'm going to be in America. I'm going to go to Disney. My mom's going to take me to Disneyland, and you're never even going to see Disneyland. I didn't know what Disneyland was or what you did in Disneyland. Turns out it's not even all that. But I was so excited. I was overhyped. And I told everybody I knew. And Grandma was telling everybody she knew. And there was like four years of all this labor and hard work finally paying off. And the day comes. And she tells me that, you know what, turns out I'm pregnant with her fourth baby. <laughs> so your dad, which is her husband, she's gonna fly, he's going to fly to the Philippines and he's going to come get you and he's going to bring you back because you can't fly by yourself. I was bummed. So I was like, oh, okay. You have to remember, I probably spent like a total of, I don't know, three weeks altogether with him, if that, in the four years that I waited for this day to come. So, and I was 10. So put yourself in my mindset. Like it was a little awkward. I didn't speak English. I spoke English very well, but I didn't speak English very well. I didn't sound American, I guess. Like I had a very strong accent, which if you ask me to imitate it now, I don't even know how because I'm whitewashed. <laughs> But it was just, I was just essentially going to be, I hate to say it, but I was essentially going to be with a stranger because I didn't really know him, you know, and there was a language barrier. I was very shy about my English, even though I know I spoke very well English for a 10-year-old in the Philippines. Um, but that was the plan. He was going to come get me and we were going to fly back and it was just literally an overnight thing. He came, came and got me and we were on the plane the very next day. The part that broke my heart that I didn't anticipate happening was the night, the night that I was, it was my last night in diet. Grandma slept with me. Grandma slept with me for four years because I, <laughs> I can't sleep by myself apparently. Um, I'm telling you, I was a leech to my grandma. Like I was her baby. She was, she slept with me the night, my last night in diet and I woke up and I woke up with her holding me and she usually cuddles, you know, we cuddled and she loves me. I love her, but she was holding me and I just felt like wetness on my cheek. And I realized that she was crying and I realized that she had been crying for, I don't know how long now. 
and because I, I think looking back now, like I'll never forget it. I was facing the wall and she was holding me from behind and she was just crying and she was patting my back and she was like loving on me because I think it hit her that her baby of the last 10 years was going away forever. <laughs> and it makes me so sad to this day. And I feel like we never talked about that. Obviously, that's just not something that our family did was talk about feelings. How dare you, you know? But I knew that's what was going on in her head and that she was going to miss me. And it made me so sad. And, and then I woke up and I just pretended like I didn't know. And she wiped her tears really fast. And I, it didn't hit me until we were at the airport. What is it about airports? I hate airports. It's just anxiety packed in there and it's a sad place. It didn't hit me until we went to the airport and they were dropping me off with dad. And I remember crossing like the lines, the, like, the, the ropes for the lines. And I was hanging on to her and I couldn't, um, I wouldn't let go of her hand. And I can't remember this clearly in my head. All of the uncles hugged me and grandpa hugged me and everybody was loving on me because I was leaving and they knew what was going on. They, like, I don't think I realized the gravity of the situation. Like me, I was really going to be gone. Like I was really not going to see them for a long time. And they'd been my family since I was little. And grandma was like a mom to me since I was little, you know, everybody took turns, but it was always auntie and grandma that was there. And I remember hanging on to her and I didn't want to let go of her hand. And I remember looking in her eyes and telling her, come with us. Can you just come with us? I want you to just come. I don't want to go without you. I don't want to go without you, grandma. And she was like, it's okay. It's okay. This is best for you. And yes, I'll see you. I'll come. I'll come see you. And, but I didn't, are you kidding me? It took four and a half years to approve me to come here. Like, she wasn't just going to come tomorrow. You know what I mean? And it made me so sad. And all throughout, like, checkpoint and TSA, all the way through the plane, taking off, I was sobbing my eyes out. I did not want to leave. And I, I was looking out that plane window, and I was like, get me the fuck off this plane. I don't want to go. It's fine. I'll live the rest of my life in the Philippines, and I'll just be with Grandma. And when I get older, I'm going to take care of Grandma. But it was too late. They weren't going to let me off the plane, you know. Even if I told them that the phalange was broken, they wouldn't have done it. And that was it. I, had, I didn't see my grandma for a very long time after that. And so it was like I uprooted my whole life that I knew as a kid to America. And it was, guys, it was wild to let go of everything that you know, culture, food, people, sceneries, like the rules and regulations are completely different. In a 10 year old's head, like if you just think about it, I was, I was a baby. Like my daughter is eight, I was a baby. And I was so sad and I think that was one of the most monumental times in my life now as an adult, I mean, they're just memories, but I didn't know it then, but I know it now that this country, as much as people shit on it, 
you guys, it really is the land of milk and honey because from where I come from, we have so many literally just everyday blessings that we don't even realize we have. Like people here have cars. We have like everybody here, they have cars. And if you don't have a car, that's self-inflicted. But I mean, you, everyone has an opportunity to have a fucking working vehicle to get you from point A to point B. Over there, cars don't even fit in the streets. Like you have to walk everywhere. You have to ride a tricycle. And some days you have to choose between having lunch money or walking, lunch money and walking, or not walking like three, four, five miles to school and having lunch. Uh, we, I feel like the little things here in the States are so taken advantage of. Fuck who's running the country. Forget the government. Forget all of the technicalities and logistics. If you have a roof over your head and you don't ever have to wonder where your next meal is coming from, you have it so made compared to a lot of people from where I come from. And I think that that coming here will always and forever be the best thing that's ever happened to me because grandma was right. It was better for me. Being here is better for me. And I have built a life for me and my family and I would have never been able to do it if I came here. If I didn't <laughs> come here. But I still miss grandma. And she was really sad. And later on I found out that she she cried the whole drive home. So Grandma, if you're listening, love you so much. You're my forever favorite person. And thank you for loving me as much as you did. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for caring enough to give me some of your time today. Subscribe, comment, leave a review, and share this with your loved ones that you know would enjoy it. Next week's episode, we'll talk about an immigrant's point of view. Go on with your day as your unapologetic, authentic self, because literally, nobody cares.